a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. We come now this morning to uh, the third and final part of uh, this little series that we've, we've had called uh, Having a Passion for Jesus. Having a Passion for Jesus. And uh, we looked at a number of things uh, already over recent weeks. And uh, I've said before that normally my, I guess, typical way uh, of looking at uh, the Bible is to look at a particular passage and to work our way through it. But I felt recently it would be good to look at this subject, uh, and it's taken us a few weeks to look at it together. And uh, we've looked already about having a passion for Jesus. How to start with is about making sure we're saved, making sure we understand what that means to be a Christian, to to love Jesus, having uh, accepted him uh, as our saviour, as our Lord, as king of our life. And how that's foundational then to having a passion for him and for his purposes. We've looked at the importance of um, allowing God's word to stir us and to speak to us. We've looked at being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible uses the word being baptised in the Spirit, how that's so important for us. Uh, Not to forget that foundational part, really, of responding to Jesus and uh, to make sure we're, we're not just once upon a time was filled with the Holy Spirit way back when, but it's an ongoing, everyday, regular occurrence of living with the Holy Spirit. Uh, in everyday life. So it's not just a, oh yeah, I was at a meeting once and I was prayed for and it was great, but rather you know what it's like for the Holy Spirit to, to live in you, to be with you, to, to be your counsellor, for him to be your friend, for him to bring power to your life on an ongoing and, uh, and daily basis. We looked at uh, being motivated by his grace, how having an understanding of God's grace is so important to us. Uh, and so key to us, not just becoming a Christian initially, but moving forward in the Christian life as well. And then the last thing we looked at last time was being certain of the outcome. How knowing what the end deal is, what knowing what the last page of the story is, if you like, helps to encourage us and motivate us. And uh, we know that we're on the winning side. Because we know at the end of time, it's not that we're just going to float round on a cloud somewhere uh, with a harp and have some sort of disembodied spiritual body for eternity singing sort of, you know, uh, love songs to Jesus. I don't know what your idea of heaven is, but it's not that. Rather, the Bible says that actually heaven comes down to earth. There's a new heaven and a new earth. And God makes all things right. And that creation which has fallen and has been affected by sin, there's a new heavens, new earth. And uh, we, we can read the last chapter of the book, can't we? We can see what the final page is, how it's all going to end, and uh, how we can be sure that we're on the winning side. I'm sure most of us, if we were on a football team, we want to be on the winning side. We? Did your side win yesterday? It didn't win. I'm very sorry to hear that. I honestly didn't know. I didn't check the results. I'm not, I'm not trying to publicly humiliate um, any particular team. Um, but we want to be on the winning side, don't we? 
Listen, as Christians, you guys certainly do. Uh, as Christians, we know how it finishes. We know what the end of the story is. We know that we can be certain of the outcome. And that should help motivate us and help keep our passion for Jesus high. Well, the last few things we've got to look at in this little subject are these. And if you're taking notes or continuing notes that you started uh, previously, the next point is being captivated with Jesus. Being captivated with Jesus. I wonder, are you, let me ask you a question, are you captivated with Jesus? Are you captivated by him? By his glory, by his majesty, his wonder, his presence, his love, his grace, his mercy. Does it captivate you? Does he captivate you? Think about how it was for you when you first became a Christian. For some of you, that would have been quite, quite recently, maybe in the last year or so. For others of you, it may have been a longer time ago, perhaps five, ten years ago, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. How was it for you when you first became a Christian? Do you remember what it was like? That sort of first feeling of falling in love with Jesus and experiencing his wonderful grace, experiencing that forgiveness of your sin, experiencing his presence in your life for the first time. So maybe you remember what it was like when you were first filled with the Holy Spirit and there was this joy bubbling up inside you that you you couldn't really explain and God came to you and it was just wonderful. Do you remember what it was like? Let me ask you this. Is it like that now or is that but a distant memory? Because, friends, I want to suggest to us this morning that That sort of sensation, that sort of feeling, that sort of relationship with God should not just be a distant memory of the past. Actually, Jesus wants us to be captivated with him afresh this morning. Psalm 63, if you've got your Bibles with you, why don't you turn with me to it, please? We're going to read perhaps just the first part of it. Psalm 63 says this. It says, the Psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. That's where it's headed in my Bible. And it helps make sense, perhaps, of the first few verses, knowing that he was in the desert. Because he says this, Psalm 63, verse 1. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life my lips will glorify you I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands my soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods with singing lips my mouth will praise you I think that describes somebody who is captivated with his God don't you? So I want to ask you this morning, are you captivated with Jesus? Are you captivated with him? Isn't it interesting where the psalmist says, verse 5 there, if you've got your, your Bible open still, my soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. I wonder, think for a moment of your 
your favourite meal. Maybe perhaps it was a special occasion. Maybe if you're married, uh, you, you went out to perhaps celebrate your wedding anniversary and you went to a, to a really posh restaurant. Or, or maybe it was your birthday and you went out with some friends to, to celebrate your birthday and you went to a really nice restaurant, you had your favourite food, whatever that might be for you, it might be the sort of the culinary delights of uh, cod and chips with mushy peas, or it may be for you, it's, you know, sweet and sour pork with egg fried rice. Or it may be it's a, a delicacy of uh, roast beef and Yorkshire puddings and roast potatoes and an arrangement of uh, fresh English vegetables. Or it might be your sort of favourite Indian curry with all the aromatic spices that you can imagine. And even as I start to describe it, your mouth is starting to tingle. You're thinking, I can't wait for him to finish and get home and get to my Sunday lunch because he's just sitting there cooking slowly as we're here. Think about your, you know, that best meal that you've ever had. Once you've had a meal like that that is just outstanding... It's very hard, isn't it, to be satisfied with something less than that. And yes, you might enjoy the something less in terms of everyday eating. But if you're looking for something special again, maybe for the birthday next year, or maybe to celebrate a particular occurrence with some friends or family, you know, you think, you think hey, hey, we've gone for that before, well, we need to aim for something like that again. Because you've experienced that quality of excellent cooking, maybe the ambiance of a nice restaurant. It's very hard to be satisfied with anything less, isn't it? Depending on your, your life experience, or just uh, where you've been, or, or what you've been involved in, that might be different for you, for each one of you, or your particular taste. But once you've experienced something you've really enjoyed like that, it's very hard to be satisfied with anything less. But what, the, what David says here is, my soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. So that particular meal might really satisfy you. And you might look forward even, perhaps to going again to that restaurant, maybe the, the next year, or maybe the next celebration or anniversary or particular occasion, you think, I can't wait to to save up maybe and to go back there again. I wonder, in terms of your relationship with God, are you satisfied with too little? Do you get used to just how it is for you? And you might think, yeah, I remember what it was like when I first became a Christian. I remember what it was like when I first fell in love with Jesus. I remember what it was like when I was first filled with the Holy Spirit, had that joy bubbling over in my life. But I've just got used to sort of the mundane and the everyday, and I've sort of got satisfied with it. Friends, this morning, I believe God wants to provoke us, to encourage us not to be satisfied with where we are, not to be satisfied really with anything less than what he wants for us, to be totally captivated with Jesus. This is the psalmist might say these words, you know, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you 
as long as I live. Could we echo those words? Could you echo those words this morning? Let's cling to God. Let's be captivated with Jesus. The writer of the Hebrews puts it like this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. He says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Where are your eyes fixed? Where are your eyes fixed this morning? Are they fixed on Jesus? Or are they fixed on your problems? Are they fixed on Jesus? Or are they fixed on your sin? Are they fixed on Jesus? Or are they fixed on the circumstances that you find yourselves in? What does the Bible say? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Turn to the person next to you and say, fix your eyes on Jesus. Do it now. (laughs) Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Be captivated by him. Now, there there are passages of scripture that can help us here. There are passages of scripture that talk about Jesus that can help us to be captivated by him. So passages such as Philippians chapter 2. Maybe you know this passage well. Paul talks about the attitude of Christ Jesus, how our attitude should be the same. And he he says in Philippians 2 verse 6, he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself became obedient to death even death on a cross and it goes on therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That passage talks about Jesus. Maybe Colossians chapter 1, just over a few pages there. Verse 15, it says, talking of Jesus, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. It's Jesus. And it's him that we need to let our hearts be captivated with afresh. He's wonderful. He's loving. He's full of grace. He's generous with mercy. He loves you. We say it again. He loves you. So get captivated with Jesus afresh this morning. And let me just speak before we move on to, to, I don't know all of you this morning, maybe there are some of you, maybe even one or two of you here this morning who don't know Jesus yet, who don't have that relationship with him. Listen, firstly, let me say how welcome you are. We're thrilled you're here. I hope you're enjoying your time with us. Let me say this to you. You can be captivated with Jesus this morning too. You can have the relationship with that God who is wonderful, loving, full of grace and mercy 
and truth. You can know what it is to have your sin forgiven. You can enter in maybe for the first time to a relationship with him. He wants to come to you. He doesn't just look upon a crowd this morning, but he looks upon individuals. He knows you by name. He knows your circumstances. He knows what you're like. He knows your good points. He knows the points where you're not so good. And he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants to be your father, your friend. He wants to forgive your sin. He wants to give you a hope and a purpose. As we were talking earlier, he wants to bring peace, wants to bring hope, wants to bring light. Maybe you feel there's just darkness around you. Jesus this morning wants to bring light. Maybe for the first time to you. His invitation is to you this morning to enter into that relationship with him. That you might be captivated by him and live for him. So having a passion for Jesus, well, if you're captivated with him, that's really going to help you along the way. The next one is being dedicated with time. Being dedicated with time. If you have a passion for something, you'll be prepared to work hard at it, won't you? So for those of you who are either currently at university or have been through uni, you're thinking, yeah, you've worked hard at something. Because you thought, yeah, there's something you want to achieve at the end of it. You'll get your qualification in whatever particular field you're studying. You're prepared to devote some time and energy to that, to getting through. Because you see a goal at the end that you feel is worthwhile achieving. Let me encourage you, it is, if you're halfway through. Keep going for it. Keep working hard. Keep giving yourself. Think about sportsmen and women. I don't know if any of you are particularly uh, gifted athletically this morning. Some of you look like you might be, I, I, I don't know. Uh, but think about the Olympics, which we, had, which we watched, I guess, many of us just a few months ago. I, I loved watching the interviews with some of the athletes, didn't you? Where they talked about the commitment that they gave to their sport in order to get to that level to compete for their country at the Olympic Games. It wasn't as they thought, well, I'll give it a shot, you know, see what happens and, you know, I'll get out and try a bit of rowing and see if I make it to the, to the end or I'll try this 100 metres lark and see what happens. No, they gave themselves. They were dedicated with time. And you, I'm sure you, as I did, saw interviews with some of these men and women who spoke of getting up early and, uh, and putting in the time and the effort and the energy in order to train in order to work hard to achieve their goal. They were dedicated with their time. But they had a passion for something. They had a passion for their sport. They had a passion for representing their country at the Olympic Games. And there are other men and women, even now, who are looking forward to 2012 and thinking, I want to be there in London. And I want to give myself to work hard to get there. So if you have a passion for something... You don't mind so much putting in the time. You don't mind so much putting in the energy and the effort because you've got a passion for it, because you've got something you want to go for. I put in my diary time with Sarah. 
not because I have to in some sort of legalistic way, but it's the first thing that goes in my diary because it's important to me. And I want to make sure that I give time to her. So it's not, I think, oh, I must do that, but it's I want to do that. And so other things have to fit in around that. Now, we live busy lives. So I have to put in my diary what's a priority to me. What do I want to make sure that I do each week? Well, spending time with Sarah goes in first. Now, slightly off the point before we come back to this, let me ask you, if you're married, do you do that with your husbands, with your wife? Now, we cover it on the marriage preparation course that some of you would have done with us. But if I asked you, how are you doing about spending time with your husband and wife, what would you say? Maybe a better question is, if I asked your husband or wife how you're doing about spending time with each other, what would they say? Now, to save public embarrassment, I won't do that now. But let me just ask you the question. How are you doing? Are you, are you making sure that happens? Because, friends, we live in a busy world. We've got lots going on. Many of you have got children as well. Unless you put it in, unless, unless you say, no, we're going to commit to making sure we do that, it probably won't happen. So I want to encourage you. Make sure you do that. For, for us, my day off is a Friday, so we keep that as a family day. So Friday night would be an evening together. Monday night we'd try and spend together as well. We need those times. And, and for us, we have found by our process of trial and much error... <laughs> that we tend to have better conversations if we go out. Whether it be to go out for a meal or just to go out for a drink, we find we're not distracted by ironing or emails. Obviously, it's me distracted by the ironing and Sarah by the emails, so I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, or whatever it might be, or just rubbish telly. You know, we're clear of those distractions and we can spend good time with one another. Just catching up with one another, catching up with life. Listen, maybe if you're married, you need to get out on a date like that. Put it in your diary. If you've got kids, get together with another family that have got kids and say, listen, why don't we babysit for you so you can get out and then you can babysit for us so we can get out. Make it happen. Maybe if you're single here this morning, maybe you could offer to babysit for uh, um, a married couple with kids so they can get out. Friends, this is so important. We need to be building healthy relationships, healthy marriages. Let's make sure that we're prioritising that. And I know it's not easy. I know life is busy and we've got lots of demands on our time. But friends, let's make sure that we're doing it because it is so important. Most of us tend to find time to do what's important to us. Most of us tend to find time to do what's important. You give time to what's important to you. So give time to one another. Rick Warren, the American pastor, said this recently. He said, the greatest use of time is love. The greatest expression of love is time. The greatest time to love is now. Good quote. And if giving time to one another how much is important, how much more is giving time to Jesus and our relationship with him? Let me encourage you. Give time to your relationship with him. Make time for worship, make time for prayer, make time for reading his word. Not because you must, but because you can. Not because you must by thinking, oh, if I don't, God's going to hate me. That's not the case. 
God loves you whether you pick up this book every day or not until next Sunday. God loves you the same. It's not because you must, but because you can. Don't get into a legalistic thinking, oh, I must read, I must pray, I must, or oh, God's going to go off me. Listen, that's not the case. God loves you. But you've got the opportunity to have that relationship with him. What a wonderful opportunity you have. To discover what works for you. For some of you, it might be setting your alarm clock early and getting up early and, and sitting down and praying, reading a Bible over a cup of hot coffee first thing in the morning. That might be what works for you. For some of you, it might be just getting out, having a walk and praying and just, just being with God. It might be at lunchtime, just taking your Bible with you to work, to work and getting out for half an hour and just spending some time with you and God alone on a park bench somewhere. Whatever it is, just find what it is for you that works and make sure that you do it. Be dedicated with your time towards God. And finally, in this little series about having a passion for Jesus. My last thing is this. It's being passionate in worship. Being passionate in worship. We want Jubilee Church to be a people full, sorry, to be a church full of people who love God passionately. Who love to worship God passionately. In fact, one of the first things of our vision is to love God. Your night is to love God, to love one another, to love those who don't know Jesus yet, and to, and to reach nations for Christ. That's what we're going for. That's what we want to live for. That's what we're giving ourselves to. That's the sort of church we want Jubilee to become. We're not fully there yet, but we're on the way. Because God has put something in us. Number one on our list is loving God. Loving God passionately. And so being passionate in worship will help keep that passion for Jesus high in our lives. We're going to be a people who love to come together and love to enter into God's presence and to worship him. Psalm 68 verse 3 says, May the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. There's that wonderful biblical picture, isn't there, of celebration and enthusiastic engagements. So worship isn't a passive thing. It's not when we come and watch the band and think, oh, they're good, I'm enjoying their their singing, that's nice, and just sort of sit there or, or stand passively watching something, but rather we come and engage we throw ourselves in. We think, I'm here. I want to be someone who's right on the front foot. They're worshipping God enthusiastically, passionately going for, for him. The early church was, I, I think we find that the early church was passionate in worship. New Testament Christians were, were passionate for God. We find that time and time again. So I want to encourage us to ensure that our times of worship as we gather as a church to be exuberant, joyful, vibrant, full of the presence of God. 
Yes, there will be times of quiet and intimacy as well. But let's make sure our times of worship are characterised by this. If nothing else, passion. Passion for Jesus. Passion for, for him. Is it New Testament worship? Is it boring or lethargic? or dull, or dreary, but enthusiastic and passionate. See, God is a passionate God. So he deserves passionate worship from passionate worshippers. So I want to encourage us to come ready to engage, to come prepared, ready to worship, ready to praise, ready to bless God, because he's a God who is worthy to be praised, is he not? Worthy to be blessed. And sometimes we can get into the wrong, wrong thinking of thinking, ah, you know, I haven't had such a good week. I'm not sure I can come and worship God. I'm not sure what God thinks about me today. And we can come with us, our heads low, our heads bowed down, and we can come thinking, ah, oh, I'm, I'm just going to struggle this morning. And friends, if you come like that, then I want to encourage you to get back to the scripture and read about what God thinks about you. Because if you know him and love him, are living for him, God says that he can deal with your sin and remove it as far as the east is from the west. And you can come to praise him, to love him. You can come having already confessed sin, dealt with it before him, and come into his presence. And so it's not going to take you half an hour just to to get over the week and to begin to lift your head up. But actually we come knowing we're coming to a God of grace who loves to accept us just as we are. Who loves to receive our praise and our worship. And loves for us to rush into his presence. I I love it. We've got two uh, little girls, one four, one one, and, and I love it when they run to me and go, Daddy, or sort of, Kezia does, Dada. She goes, Dada, to most things, to be fair. Um, but, you know, there's, there's still that sort of running to me and going, Dada, and sort of arms open, wanting to be picked up and embraced and loved. That's how should we come into God. Daddy, I'm here for you. And as we run to him, His arms are open wide, enthusiastic to receive us, to welcome us into his presence, to embrace us, to receive us, to lavish love and grace and mercy upon us. And as we gather, as we worship, God's presence comes to us. He comes to bless, he comes to heal, he comes to minister his grace Isn't it wonderful? And what a great deal. We come to worship God because he's worthy of our praise. And what happens? God turns up to bless us. I mean, you couldn't buy it. But it's a great deal. As we come to worship, God comes to bless. Listen, God would be worthy of our praise even if he didn't come to bless because he's still God's. But because of his grace, because of his love for you, for each of us, he loves to come. He loves to bless us. 
He loves to engage with us. He loves to minister his grace to us. It's a great deal. It really, really is. So we can come eager because we're recipients of his grace. Regardless of what sort of a week you've had, whether you've spent lots of time with God or not. His invitation to you is the same. Hey, come. Run towards me. Come, receive my embrace. Receive my love. Receive my grace afresh. Receive my spirit upon your life. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 27. The greatest commandment, in fact. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your might. That's pretty embracing, isn't it? That pretty much encompasses everything. And that's how we're to love Jesus. Because that's how much he has loved us. He's given his life for us. You and I might have a relationship with him. He is so worthy of our praise. How do you have a passion for, for him and for his glory? Oh, you're, you're thoroughly saved to start with, knowing that you've responded to his invitation to you. You allow God's word to speak to you, to stir you. You're filled and ongoingly filled by his spirit. You're motivated by his grace, being certain of the outcome. You're captivated with Jesus, being dedicated in time and passionate in worship. I said right at the beginning, I didn't want these things to be some sort of checklist. Please don't hear them like that. They're not meant to be that. But I trust you receive them as some things that should help us in our relationship with him. That we might be a people, we might be a collection of individuals who have a passion for Jesus individually and we might be a church that as a church has a passion for Jesus and a passion for his glory. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together and pray as we close. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have loved us so passionately. Thank you that you gave everything for us. Thank you that we come to a God who is a passionate and engaging God. And we love to come to you. And so we pray this morning, Lord, that we might be those who are passionately in love with you. That we, Lord God, might be those who love to worship you who love to be in your presence, who love to give ourselves to you, who are known uh, as individuals who, who love you and live for you. And Lord, that we might be known as a church that is passionate for Jesus, passionate for his glory, passionate for his purposes, passionate, Lord, for your purposes, for your glory in the earth. Father, we pray that you would do something in us. We pray that you would work in us that we might respond to you, 
that you, oh God, might be glorified in us as we live for you. Lord, I pray this week that we would live lives that honour you. Be what I so, God, I pray. Father, I pray that we would be uh, knowing your presence with us. Father, whatever we might do this week as we uh, spend time with friends or family or study or work, whatever it might be, Lord God, I pray we would be uh, full of your presence. And I pray, Lord, that we would take your presence with us into every situation we find ourselves, into every conversation, into every meeting, into every encounter with other people, into every shopping expedition, in every school run, in every lecture, in every mealtime. I pray, Lord, we would be carriers of your presence, that you might be glorified through us and amongst us. We ask it, please. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk 